Good afternoon, Rob Port on WDAY 701-293-9000. Your call in number 888-970-9329. Last show this week before the holiday uh, holiday break. But uh, I think we're going to make it a pretty good one here. Uh, we're going to be going out. I, I, I wish we could focus on maybe more lighthearted holiday-type uh, topics today, but I, I wanted to make sure to fit this in because on Sunday there was yet another riot uh, at the Dakota Access Pipeline uh, protests. It was ugly. I think the way it's been portrayed in, in much of the media as though the police were attacking the protesters has been inaccurate. Uh, I think it's been unfair to North Dakota law enforcement. I think that the protesters are people who are specifically trained to interact with police in this way and 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 to come out of it uh, manipulating the media coverage, come out of it uh, posing as as the victims, even though they were the aggressors. I, I I think it's all a big put on by professional activists enabled by President Obama, who has been delaying this thing endlessly. Anyway, to give us some on the ground perspective. I have on the show today uh, a deputy. Uh, as a matter of fact, he was the the gentleman who was running the fire hose that got a lot of coverage that, that police were using water uh, to both put out fires set by protesters and as a form of crowd control. Um, I have the deputy on who was using that, that fire hose. Now, he is not going to use his name today. There has been instances where law enforcement have been harassed. Uh, have been uh, in, and worse by by protesters by giving out their names called doxing where they're putting their personal information out on the internet and harassing them. Uh, so we're not going to do that today. Uh, he's going to speak. Uh, I've I verified who he is. Um, you know the everybody's aware that he is doing this interview today, but we're not going to use his name today. Uh, I'm just going to refer to him as as deputy. And um, first of all, thank you for being on, and and thank you for your time, and thank you for your service. You're welcome. Thank you for the opportunity to, to talk today. Uh, tell us about that day, Sunday. W- what happened? I mean, just just give us a quick walkthrough of of how you arrived on the scene, what it was like, and how you ended up using a fire hose that day. I'd been there all week with a team of uh, other uh, officers from all over the state. Um, we'd been training and practicing and, and just waiting um, to to defend uh, the positions that we needed to hold. Um, that day was our last day. Um, everybody was supposed to go home that day. And at approximately 5 o'clock, we got called down to the bridge that day because of an influx in protesters down there that were becoming violent. Um, they started out with a uh, semi that they had backed up to the barricades, and they were trying to pull the barricades off the bridge there. And uh, things just started escalating from there. You, uh, When you said they were escalating, that prompted you at, at that point they were what what I have heard, and, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, that they were setting fires on the bridge, uh, and and so at that point you began using the fire hose to put out the fires and also as crowd control. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they had started fires. Uh, the wind was against us that day. Um, it was a southeast wind. Uh, we tried CS gas, and ultimately all the officers there ended up eating that CS gas. Um, any pepper spray that was used or not OC spray. Um, all those things were blowing right back in our faces, and we just stood there and ate it, you know, and took it. Um, but those fires were going, and it was blocking our views. There was smoke. Um, it was getting to be too much, and so the uh, fire truck was called down. Um, because of the escalation and violence, um, 
we didn't want the firefighters to be exposed out there. I happened to be a volunteer firefighter for the community I'm in, and so I took the hoses, and uh, we went up on top of the MRAP turret in order to get uh, to those fires, and they were behind some uh, uh, dump trucks out there. So we, in order to get to those things, uh, we needed to be up there. Many people have criticized the use of the fire hose in, in temperatures, you know, as, as we're accustomed to in November, below freezing temperatures. People have been critical of, of the use of that fire hose. D- did you think it was un- unfair to, to be making these protesters wet in such cold temperatures? Uh, tell us a little bit. Give us some context there. Give us some insight. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, when we first showed up, there was only approximately 60 officers there. Um, when I looked out, you know, we saw at least 400 that were in contact with us. Uh, later as it got dark, I remember looking out over the crowd. Uh, I could see faces and heads as far as I could possibly see. I would say there was at least a 1,000 people out there. It was very overwhelming for the officers. Um, I know a lot of officers didn't know how we were going to handle the situation or how we could control it. Um, as people were moving right up to the um, the wire that was installed there, uh, they were laying plywood uh, logs over the top of that wire, and they were trying to climb over the top of it. Um, we had the hose there. And it seemed like the only possibility, the only way we could try to push them back. So I did use that hose to push back people off of the wire and uh, to, and then used it to push the, the plywood and stuff they laid over back off the wire. Um, these hoses were very effective in uh, making them cold and making them get away from us. It seemed as the peaceful protesters, as you might call them, that were there um, did actually stay back out of the, uh, the range of the water. You could see the line form back away from that water so that they wouldn't uh, come forward anymore. Um, I would call them more peaceful protesters, but the ones, the agitators, many, many of them stayed out there in the water and continued to harass and continue to push forward, try to cut chains, try to cut wire, and try to come at us. At any point, in a lot of the media coverage of this, it's been portrayed as with law enforcement as, as sort of the aggressors, law enforcement and these these are not my words, but other words, uh, you know, attacking the protesters or or going after or being aggressive with the protesters. At any point, did law enforcement advance on the protesters beyond the the blockade that's been on the bridge for for weeks now? Absolutely not. We None of us want to go out there. None of us want to move forward. None of us want to do that. Uh, We just held our line. We have to hold that line because if those those people get through, those people that are trying to hurt us, what are they going to do to the people, the good people of the state, you know, the people that, that aren't trained to defend themselves against these people? What are they going to do when they get past us? We cannot let them through, you know, and, and as all we do is we hold that line. We tell them that go back to your camp, go back there, you know, that's, you're fine there, but don't come out here and attack us, you know, and that's, we can't let them through. We just can't do it. You just, you just used the term attack us. When we were talking before the show, you said that, there were things thrown at you that you were a target. Obviously, you were up in a in a turret with with the fire hose. So so you were very visible to the protesters, and and, and you said that they saw you as a as a target. Uh, tell us some of the things that that were thrown at you. You said slingshots. Describe that for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there were rocks, chunks of asphalt. I know I was hit at least twelve times. Uh, uh, most of my protective gear uh, stopped all that. Um, I had gallon jug of water hit me and fall down into the the MRAP there, and it hit a. Uh, Another officer in the back of the head that was inside the MRAP. Um, we know they were using slingshots. Uh, I saw a nut on the top of the MRAP. I believe they were shooting those nuts at us. I could hear them 
whizzing by my head. No, well, you you, you say nuts. nuts like like something like like metal like lug nuts that that type of thing. Yeah, steel nut that you would screw onto a bolt. Yep, actual. Okay. You know. Yep. What what so, sort of things did you hear the protesters say? And I, I know you were speaking with some of your other officers, and and you you made note of the fact that it's it's a diverse force down there. You have African American officers, you have Native American officers, you have Hispanic officers, white officers. It's very diverse. The protesters were screaming a lot of things. Tell us about some of the things you heard. Yeah, absolutely. All night they were, you know, they're just screaming at us. They're trying to taunt us, uh, trying trying to. Uh, I guess just push us, and um, uh, there were a lot of uh, racial slurs thrown. I didn't personally hear those. Um, the officers that I work with, uh, I, would, I talked to them later, and they were talking about the, the racial things that were said to them, trying to taunt them, you know, trying to make them angry, trying to get them to come at them, make them look bad, you know. Um, the things that are just being said and being thrown around out there aren't normal of, they don't have anything to do with the pipeline. They don't have anything to do with, uh, normal um, behavior for a peaceful protest. When you, well, this is often portrayed as a as as, as a Native American protest. Is certainly the Standing Rock tribe is. I mean, they're the ones who are. It's it's their reservation. They're the ones who have filed a legal challenge against the pipeline. And certainly, there's there's been a lot of support from Native American communities across the nation. But there's also been described to me law enforcement saying there's there's a contingent of of just sort of hardcore environmental activists that are separate from the Native American communities. As you stood on top in in that turret that night and you looked out over, did it look like a Native American uh, movement or a Native American protest? The majority of the people that I see out there are, are white people. Um, you know, I do see some Native Americans, but the actions and the things they say and the way that they are acting do not seem like, it doesn't seem related to oil protest or saving water. Um, it, it seems like there's alternative motives there to me, for sure. One thing that you told me is that the next day, because you were you were down there late that night, you went back, and then you came back pretty early the next morning as well, and that when you came back the next morning, there was an incident with with some firearms and some guns that, that thankfully tribal elders were able to defuse. Describe that situation for me. Yeah, the next morning, um, at about 7.30 in the morning, uh, I had left at approximately uh, 1 or one thirty that night, uh, got in a shower and got in a couple hours of sleep and went back at uh, 7 in the morning. At 7.30 in the morning, we saw a man with a, a pistol. We also saw men uh, wearing vests with um AR-15 clips in them, and that's that's just absolutely heartbreaking uh, to see that out there, um, knowing what what you're about to face, you know, knowing what's about to happen, uh, seeing those types of things out there. They were building a wall, and they were hiding things behind plywood, and they were hiding things under blankets, and we just couldn't see what the magnitude of what we were about to face was. And uh, on Monday, that was really really heartbreaking. Uh, not not knowing what we were about to face, uh, looking at that and, and uh, knowing that somebody could definitely die today. you know. But luckily it was broken up and taken care of uh, without uh, incident. Now, this has become, this, this pipeline protest has become a national flashpoint, a national point of discussion, lots of coverage, and certainly locally as well. It's it's dominated local news. But and, and, and a lot of times law enforcement are being depicted as, as the bad guys here, as a member of law enforcement, as somebody who's had his, his boots on the ground, as somebody who's been on the front lines of this. What's the public missing? What, 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 what does the public need to understand about this? You know, as a law enforcement officer, um, it doesn't bother me if I'm 
or any of us really, that uh, we're called bad guys. Um, the fact of the matter is, is when a law is broken, our job is to stop that, to, to make sure that the law is upheld. It doesn't matter if it's a speeding ticket or if it's a riot. We're going to stand there and we're going to protect the people of North Dakota. That's our job. And we will not move. We will not step away from that line. We will stand there and we will take whatever it does, or we will take whatever they throw at us, and we will stand there and take it until the end. We will not give up on this. This is our, this is our state, and we will continue to uphold the law on it. Deputy, thanks for your time. I appreciate it, and thank you for your service. Yes, sir. Thank you. I'm Rob Port. More to come straight ahead. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Port, here on WDAY, 701-293-9000, You can email me, talk at WDAY.com. But too, I, don't, I don't know how you felt. That I, I thought that was a powerful interview. Uh, you know, what, what these guys are going through out there, agree or disagree with the pipeline or anything else, what these cops are being put through out there is horrible, and they're... Uh, they're dealing with it the best they can, and it's 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 almost painful to hear what what they're going through. It's it's a difficult situation on all sides. I know um, Mike McFeely was talking this morning about how it's it's hard to really know what's happening because in in the case of the woman who got her arm blown to pieces, we're getting two very different sides of the story from law enforcement and from the protesters. And I don't think anyone wants to believe that law enforcement used a grenade. And I don't know that I believe that. I don't think, I don't believe that. But at the same time, I don't think anyone can put any amount of blame on individual law enforcement agents. They're doing their job. Yeah. And I think everything would be a lot better if these protesters would protest legally and i don't I, I, think i don't think yeah. that's unreasonable see i i think the, i think the problem is i mean that, that's what the officers are there they're trying to hold a line right because a the state closed that bridge so you know whether you agree with that policy or not it's a closed bridge you're not supposed to be there so you can't just break the law right in front of the cops flagrantly and then just expect them to do nothing about it and and you cannot you know they say oh it's a public road we just want to get north well you want to get north because you want to trespass on private property, as you have done repeatedly, and vandalize the equipment there, causing millions and millions of dollars of damage. The cops can't just stand by and let let you do that, right? I mean, they, they have no choice. I mean, what, what's the? I mean, people keep saying, "Well, the cops ought to withdraw." Okay, so they ought to withdraw and let these protesters just run roughshod over South Central North Dakota. Well, there's lots. There's people not. who live there. You can't let them do that. Exactly. And, and, the- and so they, they've got to hold their ground. And the protesters are, frankly, I think, intent on violence. And so what we get is violence. The anger is directed in the wrong place. The anger should not be directed at the law enforcement officers. It should be directed at the company that they disagree with. 
It can be directed at the state that allowed the pipeline to go where it's going. It can be directed at the right. people that sold the land to... And, 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 and that's all fine. And, and we can have a debate about what the state should have done or shouldn't have done or what the pipeline company should or shouldn't have done. But also point out there are proper venues and proper avenues for that disagreement as well that don't include torching a bulldozer or camping out on somebody's property who doesn't want you there. Oh, absolutely. But but yeah. all I'm all I'm saying is that the anger directed at law enforcement is completely displaced I, I and agree. needs to be put in check. They they need to quit attacking cops. Unfortunately, Natil, I think it's part of their I think it's part of their strategy because riots get headlines. This gets headlines, and this is what they want. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. And not to say that that you're disagreeing, Natil. I'm not attacking you. It's no, a tough I know. situation. I know. I know. It's a tough situation all the way around. Email talk at wday.com. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Port on WDAY 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. We started off the show with an interview with the uh, the deputy who was, um, he was the one wielding that fire hose that, that has gotten so much attention at the at the Dakota Access riots on Sunday. And, um, you know, a lot of people saying, you know, it wasn't fair to uh, to spray the protesters. They got wet. The temperatures were below freezing. Somebody on Facebook just made a good point. Don writes, I bet 100% of those not trespassing stayed dry, uh, which is a, it's a good point. Yeah, they were on a public road, but it's a closed public road. The state of North Dakota has the authority to close that road. If the police tell you not to be there, you shouldn't be there. Full stop. And and that's, you know, we're starting to talk a lot about the, the injuries with the protesters. I'm surprised that we've seen as few injuries as, as we have so far, given the behavior of the protesters. Uh, but, but over and above that, you know, we, we we certainly we had we had you know dozens of injuries from this last riot. We had one grievous injury um, that I mean the the photos have been all over Facebook. It's really tough to look at. It just breaks my heart to see it that somebody got hurt like that. But I, I think the larger point to be made here, and the one that Don made, is that if you if you go out looking to pick a fight with the police. And I think that's absolutely what these protesters are doing when they're going to these roadblocks and trying to fight their way through them. When you pick a fight with police, you might get hurt. Now, if some evidence comes out that that, the police acted in a negligent manner or acted in some way to to purposely wound or, or, or maim somebody beyond, you know, what, what might reasonably be defined as, as crowd control, then Okay, I mean, I'll be the first in line to criticize. I have not, I have not ever shied away from criticizing law enforcement. I have been a, a you know, when when the Ferguson protests first began in Missouri, one of my very first posts about it was to criticize the militarized police response. I have been a critic of, of militarized police and, and the quote-unquote warrior cop mentality here in North Dakota. I have been sharply critical of Cass County Sheriff Paul Laney. 
I'm not opposed to criticizing law enforcement on those grounds. But on the flip side, law enforcement must enforce the law. And they cannot let a band of hooligans, they cannot let a band of extremists and anarchists run roughshod over south-central North Dakota. There are other property owners there. There are other people there whose rights must be protected. The Standing Rock Sioux Tribe's case against the pipeline, their opposition to the pipeline, this, these, the anti-oil position of these environmental zealots does not trump those rights, does not give them license to attack the cops. So I'm sorry that people are getting hurt, hurt, and I'm all for doing investigations to make sure that the cops aren't acting in a way to purposely put people in danger. But from the facts available to us right now, what has been happening is that protesters are choosing to break the law and then fighting with the police, actively resisting the police when they come to enforce the law. I don't think anybody out there could argue credibly that the police have done anything other than than enforce laws that we all agree with. You can't block public highways. You can't just camp on other people's land. If you if you think that, that you could just start camping on someone else's land without permission, then I'm looking forward to scheduling my first protest in your bedroom at 3 o'clock in the morning. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. It, it just, it, it, and it, it, it breaks my heart the, the way that this is being protested because it, it, it is so, it is so calculated. It is so planned. I mean, you can go on the internet and you can, you can hear where they're, they're literally undergoing training, right? When you, when you arrive at the protest camp, you undergo training. And every once in a while, you can you can see on Twitter, or you can hear in in, in the the recordings or whatever, they'll start yelling for for the arrestables to come forward, people that they're planning on getting arrested. They're doing this on purpose to smear our law enforcement. I'm all for I'm all for valid, on the mark criticism of law enforcement. I'll not shy away from it. And if 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 cops are found doing something wrong with these protests, I'll be the first in line to criticize them, if they're actually doing something wrong. But what I am not going to stand for is our cops being criticized as part of some political agenda, for them being thrown under the bus. I'm not going to stand for it because at the end of the day, they have to enforce the law. And if we're going to live in a peaceful, democratic society, then police have got to be able to enforce the law. You know, right, right now we're basically asking, I mean, that's, that's what the protesters want. They want the police to just withdraw from the area and just let them have their way. And that's just not going to happen. You know, you may hate the Dakota Access Pipeline Company. You may hate the pipeline that doesn't give you a right to torch their equipment, that doesn't give you a right to, to trespass on other people's property. And as long as that's your goal, the police are going to be there to stop you. And if you fight with the police, you might get hurt. That might be the results from that. And that will be a horrible outcome. That will be an outcome I'm sure the police don't want. You think they like being out there? You think they like spraying people with hoses, spraying people with tear gas? You think they're getting their kicks on it? They're not. If you listen to the protesters, they'll have you believe that. That's what they want you to believe, is that these cops are out there hurting people on purpose because, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know, they're, they enjoy it. They get off on it. And I just, I find that hard to believe. I'm talking with these, these, these law enforcement officers, uh, 
they're not all white. Some of them are Native American. I was speaking with a Native American officer who told me he was standing in line listening to some lily-white liberal hippie chick from Seattle lecture him about being on Native American land. He's Native American. And he's on the cop side. And you know what? I didn't even ask him what he thought about the pipeline. Because you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what his politics are. It doesn't matter what he thinks about the pipeline. He's out there to enforce the law. Native American officers, black officers, Hispanic officers, having some, some really, I mean, what, the, what multiple sources are telling me, having just some, some truly vile racial-type statements made to them that I'm not going to repeat on the air. That's what's really happening on the ground here, and it's not getting covered. 701-293-9000, we got a caller, Don, what's up? Yeah, Rob? Yeah, go ahead, Don. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, well I, I'm 71 years old, so I've been around the block a little while. When All right. it comes to extremists, whether they're right-wing or left-wing, the end justifies the means. The facts and the, and the, and the truth don't necessarily matter. It, it's right. a narrative. It's just, it's just the way it goes on. Well, it you know it's um you're you're right. I mean that's and and I I think that's the problem when any political movement arrives at that conclusion where suddenly their ends justify means like attacking cops or torching other people's properties, committing you know millions of dollars in damage to other people's property. When you when you've arrived at that point, things get very dangerous very very quickly. And and at that point, in my mind. It doesn't even matter if you agree with the cause or not. You ought to be condemning the means. Thanks for the call, Don. Appreciate it. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Dave, you're up next. What's up? Hey, Rob. You know, I, I've been listening to all this going on for months now, and I it's, it's like beating a dead horse. It's it's kind of like uh, it, it's all this common sense is lost on the ignorance. So it doesn't really even, I mean, it's like preaching to, to a tree. I mean, it's, it, it can't process the knowledge. It, it can't, it, it won't even, it won't even entertain an alternate view or another perspective. So it's, it's such an incredible waste of time at this point. But, um, one, one criticism that I do have of the police, or not even a criticism that, well, possibly a criticism, but a concern is <clears throat> with this, uh, activist who had her arm injured. Um, does the police have their own media present uh, in the sense that are they recording any of this stuff that can be used later for potential lawsuits against them? Um, are they covering their own, you know, back end, so to speak? Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I think that they are. Um, I, I think that is a valid criticism is that the police aren't doing enough to tell their own story. Um and I, I think they have a reticence when things are under investigation. They keep all the evidence pulled in tightly. Um, I don't know, but the situation's chaotic. I mean, even if every single one of them were wearing body cams, they may not get it. Although, I, I think this is this is an argument right here for why every cop in North Dakota ought to have a body cam. Uh, you know, I agree. I so, agree. so that we can we can necessarily be released to the public because you know things have been taken and, and remixed into uh, different versions of truth. Um, you know, and there's obviously different facets to that. But um, just you know, so they you know, and, 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 and pardon my ignorance because I don't know what they're doing out there. But uh, you know, maybe they are recording all this stuff that they can use later. They're recording on to, some, but it's um, it's it's probably you know, not as much as you or I would like. And and I agree with you. And, and by the way, a part of the the law enforcement not telling their story. 
I don't even necessarily blame law enforcement. Their PR people are overrun. Where's our governor? Our governor ought to be behind a podium every single day making the state's case on this, and he's not. We're leaving a vacuum, and the other side, the protest side, is filling it with lies and nonsense. Uh, And that's unfortunate, and, and frankly, I think that's on the governor. Nobody else can do that job but the governor, and he's not doing it. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back. Hey, if you want to help out uh, North Dakota law enforcement responding to the Dakota Access protests, go to my website, sayanythingblog.com. Got a link up today to a GoFundMe account. Morton County Auditors on the board overseeing the funds. They've raised, I think, going on like $44,000. So check that out. It's also, if, if you look on GoFundMe, it's the Morton County Heroes Fund. If you just want to check that out. Caller, Jim. We got just a couple minutes left. What's up, Jim? Hello? Yeah, you're on, Jim. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, uh... But that woman that said the grenade was thrown at her and exploded. Uh, I work with a Marine who's had several tours over in the sandbox, and he said he looked at the pictures I haven't and read the story, and he laughed like hell. He said, I've seen what a grenade does to a human body. I've used them. And for her to have that type of injury to her arm... First of all, she should be dead because the way grenades are made, her whole body would be I've, I've riddled had, with shrapnel. Yeah, I've had I've had I've had a lot of people a lot of people make the same point. Thanks for the call, Jim. Uh, I hope there's a full investigation. I hope we get to the bottom of it. I think what we're going to find is law enforcement didn't cause that injury. That's just my opinion. Thanks for listening. Have a happy Thanksgiving, Jay Thomas. Show straight ahead.